Bibles, open up to the book of Matthew. Open up to the book of Matthew. And while you're opening up to the book of Matthew, I'm gonna say welcome to those of you who are watching online right now. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being here. Listen, you're not just watching this morning. You are engaging. You are worshiping with us. So get your Bibles out. If you've got a pen, a piece of paper here in this room, I need you to pull them out. You know me. Those of you who've been around a while, I'm gonna be giving you some things I want you to write down. If you don't have a pen, paper, There's a connect card right there in front of you. Uh, Don't tell them I told you to do this. The back of it is white. There's plenty of room to write some notes on. On the other side, if you are a guest, fill that out, drop it off in one of the offering boxes on the wall. We wanna be able to send you a note of thanks. Uh, come Come back to the pastor's area. Myself, Pat, one of the other pastors, will give you a gift if you'll bring that back. We just wanna be able to meet with you. This summer, we've been in a series here at LifePoint across all of our campuses called The Way. And it is a sermon out of the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter five, beginning of chapter five, going through verse seven. This summer, we're just covering chapter five and it's called The Way. And the reason we're calling it The Way is because Jesus has been dropping some truth bombs for the last five weeks with us. And he is calling us to live His way. You know, the early believers were called followers of the way. Uh, They followed the way of Jesus. And so he is laying out in chapter five, here is what it looks like to be one of my followers. Here's what it looks like to be a Jesus person. Here's what it looks like to live differently. He started out by telling us, you know, the Beatitudes, blessed, blessed are you if. He's saying, That word blessed means flourishing. Basically, he's saying, this is what it looks like to have a flourishing life as a follower of the way. He moves in and he says, listen, we want you, I want you, followers of the way, you're to be salt and light. I didn't come, Jesus said, to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill it and to help you to see what it really means. And then he spends the next several verses, I guess, sections, saying this, you've heard it said, but I tell you this, because what had happened is when the 10 commandments came down from Moses at Mount Sinai, when they came down, when God gave them, the law began to be put together. You had the 10 commandments, but then at the end of Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy, you begin to see, here's how that's fleshed out. And the Pharisees begin to take that law and they begin to add to it. And they begin to put all kinds of regulations. And Jesus begins to tell them, hey, you've heard it said you do this with anger, but I'm telling you to do this. This is what it looks like. You've heard it said that you, when you, when this is what it looks like to commit adultery, I'm telling you though, that when you lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. He talks about what it looks like then about marriage and divorce. And we talked about that this week though, in chapter five, beginning in verse 33 through 37. We're gonna look at a few verses, five verses. It seems short, but I want you to hear me on this, all right? I want you to hear me on this. If we're going to live different, if we're gonna live the Jesus way, if we're gonna look like followers of the way, then this passage right here is central. It's kind of the core. It's the heartbeat of what it means to be a follower of Christ. We're gonna talk about what does it look like with our oaths. Some of you are going, that's not a word I use often. 
Well, your promises, your word. We're gonna talk about what it means to be a person of integrity. Now, I need to stop here and I want you to hear me. I'm not talking about something moralistic. I'm not talking about how to have uh, your best life. I'm not talking about how to be a better businessman. I'm talking about, you know, when, when you talk about integrity, engineers, they talk about the soundness of something. And we've seen an illustration of that here recently, haven't we? With the, the, the tragedy in Surfside, Florida. The integrity of a condominium building was faulty and gave way. And it killed people. It wrecked havoc in lives. And when I talk about integrity, when we look at integrity, in just a moment, I'm gonna give you three principles about what an, uh, an integrity, a life filled with integrity looks like. But what I'm talking about here, I'm talking about a life that is sound. A life that is sound. And why is that important? Because we serve a God who is a God who is sound, who is holy, who is trustworthy, who is powerful. And so we ought to be sound people. We ought to be people who live lives of integrity. And the, what we're seeing right here in this passage that we're about to read is gonna help us. I'm gonna give you a roadmap today. So if you got something, you're thumbing some notes somewhere, I want you to take these down. The first principle, I'm gonna give you three principles for integrity. The first one is this, that our words are holy. Our words are holy. The second principle we're gonna see is this, is that our words are trustworthy. And the third principle is that our words are powerful. So with that, let's start reading Matthew chapter five, beginning in verse 33, and we're gonna go through verse 37. Uh, let's read right here. Again, you have heard. Now, I, he says again, he's, re, he's emphasizing what he's already said previously in this, in this chapter. If you've not been following along with the series, you need to go out to the website and pick it up with us. He says, again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, so he's contrasting. He's now going to give us what it looks like to be a follower of the way. He says, but I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. I've got plenty of white ones today. Let what you say be simply yes or no, and anything more than this comes from evil. Comes from evil. So with that, let's start with the very first principle. The very first thing that we see is that our words are holy. Now, when I say our words are holy, this is what I'm talking about here. This is important. Uh, listen, the reason our words are holy is because those who are followers of the way serve a holy God. Uh, it's not that what I say is holy, it's what he says. It's that he has now placed his name on me. And so as I speak, as I walk, as I live, my words are a representation of the one who has called me. So the one that I've said I've surrendered to, my words are holy. They are done under his authority. When Jesus is speaking here, he has a couple of passages in mind, I believe. I think he's speaking when he says, you have heard it said. Well, take that. I want you to go back and see these this afternoon. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 12. Leviticus 19, 12. Deuteronomy 23, 21. In there, he's talking about oaths. He's talking about the importance of oaths. And he warns, Moses warns the people. 
He warns them, he says, listen, any oath that you make in the name of God that you break, any oath that you make in the name of God that you break is sinful and it profanes the name of God. He says it profanes the name of God. Ultimately though, here's what I want you to catch is that any law, anything that comes out of Leviticus, anything that comes out of Exodus, anything that comes out of Deuteronomy, talking about how we make an oath, how we make a promise, how we make a vow is an elaboration on the third commandment. Remember, what Jesus is doing here in this sermon is that he is saying, listen, you've heard it said that the Pharisees, they've taken the law, they've taken the 10 commandments, they've added to it and they've, they've missed the heart. And he says, listen, I'm going to help you to understand now what is really being mean, what, what is being meant here by this. And so Jesus now is helping us to see, here's what the heart of the third commandment is. Look at Exodus chapter 20, beginning of verse seven. Exodus 20, verse seven. This is the third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. There's a lot of confusion, I think, around the third commandment. And I think if I ask in here, hey, what does it mean to take the Lord's name in vain? I think most of us in here would say, well, it's, it's when we attach the Lord's name, God's name to a cuss word. When we do that, or man, we take it and we OMG, oh my God, rather than saying, oh my God, it's, oh my God. Now I wanna make sure and be really clear here. I don't want anybody to miss me. Anytime, anytime we use the Lord's name, frivolously, recklessly, yes. That in and of itself, that's the base. That's the base of what it means to take the Lord's name in vain. But I, I think what Jesus is saying here, and I think what the rest of the law teaches is that there's more, there's so much more to this than just uh, using the Lord's name in vain as a cuss word. He begins to help us to see that the third commandment is so much more than what you say on a golf course after a bad shot. It has more to do with when you begin to live a life, when you are living in such a way that is antithesis, the opposite of the one in which you say you follow. When your life, who you say you follow Jesus, I'm a follower of the way, and he says, listen, but you're, not, you're profaning the name of God by how you live by how you speak, by how you walk, by what you do. See, the, third, the heart of the third commandment is this. It's attaching God's name to something that you know you cannot and you will not ever do. That begins to strike at the integrity of a person. You and I have all encountered people before that you've heard them speaking and you knew as you walked out, that's never gonna happen. They're never gonna do that. You may even see that in the news today. You may see it in your politicians. You may see it in your aunt, your uncle, your grandfather who makes all kinds of wild statements, but you knew they're not gonna say that. And I want you to hear me. At the heart of the third commandment is when we make statements because our words are holy. Why? Because we've proclaimed, God, I follow you, Jesus, you're my savior. The scripture tells us to be holy as I am holy. And yet I'm making statements, I'm just, we become like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. That's what people hear when we speak sometimes. That is not a sound life. You see, 
It's a sin to invoke the name of Jesus, to invoke the name of God in an oath, knowing that we're never gonna do it. Because you know what happens? At that point, we've attached the name of God to a lie. You know, I think the question that we have to answer today, I think one that's very important for me, one that I've had to deal with this week, is that, is my life a lie? Does the way that I live, the things that I say, the actions that I do, is it a lie? Am I profaning the name of God? Because, listen, my words are holy, not because of anything that I've done, but because of the one that I serve, the one who I say has rescued me. The Pharisees had a way to get around this though. Since the law forbade anyone from making an oath in the name of the Lord, in the name of God, you know what they would do? They quickly came up with a way that, hey, we can get around that. We just won't use God's name in our oaths, in our promises, in what it is that we, what we'll say. This is the example that you might see right here. Uh, in fact, we talked about it in this passage just now. They, they began to say, well, we'll swear by the temple. We'll swear by the head, by the hair on our heads. We'll, we'll, make it, we'll do what we say, and as long as we don't, we'll make an oath, we'll make a vow, we'll make a promise, but as long as we don't use God's name, we don't invoke God's name on it, we can break it. Knowing that, listen, I'll say this, but I'm gonna get out of it, I'm gonna move on. This is the specific practice right here that Jesus is speaking about in the Sermon on the Mount. You see, it dishonors God's name. It dishonors the holiness of God's name when we attach his name to something we know we'll never ever do. We're not going to follow through with it at all. Because you see, there is a watching world in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God set his name on certain things. He set his name on a people, Israel. These are my people. He set his name on a city, Jerusalem, this is where my name will be proclaimed. He set his name on a, on a temple. This will be where my, where, I, where my temple will be, God's holy place. He set his name on it. And you know, if you've been around anywhere in scripture, if you're a follower of Christ, when his name is profaned, he takes it seriously. He takes it very seriously. Verses 34 and 35, look with me in there at verses 34 and 35. He says, oh, you think your swearing by heaven is bi- isn't binding? Well, heaven is where I dwell. Heaven is where God dwells. He says, oh, wait a minute. You think you're out of an oath if you swear by earth? Do you not realize that earth is the footstool for God? He says, oh, you think your oath is all right and you don't have to keep it. If you swear by Jerusalem, do you not realize Jerusalem is the holy city of the king? He says, you may even go, hey, listen, I'll swear by the hair on my head. What are you saying? You can't even control the color of your hair, whether it's white or black. You don't have control over that. He says, listen, this is important. How you live as followers of the way, do you realize that the things that you say, they represent a holy God? Your words are holy how you speak. You see, in other words, you can't escape the holiness of God because it's everywhere. As a follower of God, as a follower of Jesus, as a follower of the way, as one who says, as one who says, listen, I follow Jesus. 
Did you realize he controls everything? His holiness is everywhere. His grandeur is everywhere. And we walk in and under that. And how we speak and the things that we say, not just the oaths that we make, but everything that we do represents Jesus and his followers. You see, listen, oftentimes what happens is we think the semantics, you know, if I can put my words together in such a way, the semantics of it, I'll always come out right. Have you ever met someone who's always right? I mean, like they can argue well and they're always gonna be right. Listen, we don't need to, I've got people in my own life like that. There have been days when my wife says, I ain't arguing with you because you're always gonna work out how you're gonna win this thing. Listen, we have to be careful that we don't arrange an argument so that we always come out. See, we ought to be, our lives should be lived, our words should be lived in such a way that says, that is a person who is sound. What they say, they say under the holiness of God. Their words represent him. They are a person of integrity. Now, when Jesus says here in the passage, look back over there near the end there, I think it's verse 36 here. He says, do not make an oath at all. What he's not saying is this, is that you can't make a promise. If you're following along in, uh, in our Bible reading this morning in 2 Chronicles and then in Thessalonians, uh, there was a discussion about oaths, a discussion about oaths. It's not saying that you can't. What Jesus is doing is he's going even deeper. He's taking us deeper to say, listen, your word should be such as trustworthy as, integrous as, it would be as if you are making an oath in my name. That whatever you say, it can be taken to the bank because it is going to be true and right. It can be counted on. Uh, Let me ask you this. What does it say about our integrity? What does it say about your integrity if you have to say, I swear, listen, I promise, I promise I'm telling the truth on this. Does that mean that the hearer should assume that maybe there are times you don't tell the truth? It's like the pastor who says, hey, this isn't a preacher story right here. This is the truth. Should it be assumed that, well, have we not told the truth before? Folks, listen, our words matter. The first principle is is that if we're gonna be people of integrity, we have to recognize that our words are holy because we say them under the presence of a holy God. And we represent him. You realize that as an ambassador, where you go, the words you speak should represent him. They do represent him. So are your words giving, what kind of impression is it that your words are giving? And Jesus is drawing us in to say, listen, as followers of the way, if you're gonna be followers of the way, then your words represent me. Why? Because God is holy and I've been called to be holy. The second principle quickly is this. The second principle is that our words are trustworthy. Our words are trustworthy. Folks, listen, we should mean what we say. What we say, we should mean. And what we don't mean, we shouldn't say. No legalese, no around the world argument, no circular uh, types of comments so that it can be arranged that we're, we're right. He says, listen, we should mean what we say. Our word should be trustworthy. Look with me in verse 37. Verse 37, Jesus said, let what you say be simply yes, or no. I'm gonna let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Some translations end that with the evil one, basically helping us to understand what is the motivation by what you're saying? 
Are you, be, are, are you being deceived? Are you listening to the lies of the evil one as the motivation of your heart so that you always come out on top? He says, listen, don't arrange your arguments. Just be trustworthy. Let your yes be yes because your words are holy because they're spoken under the authority and in the presence of God. But you know what that frees us up for? That our words can be simple. Our words can be simple. You've probably got people in your life, usually they're older men and women that you've been around for a long, long time, and you describe them as, or maybe you've gone to a funeral before and you've heard this, they were just plain spoken people. We knew when they said something, they meant it. This is what Jesus is bringing to us right here. We shouldn't have to swear by anything. We shouldn't have to promise by anything to show that we're serious, our yes should be our yes. For those of you who are businessmen in here, you know this, businessmen, businesswomen, you know how important your word is. Your word is very important because you're eventually gonna go back to those people and they're either gonna look at you and go, what they said was true or they lied to me. Listen, do you do you? understand as a follower of Christ, we're to do that not so we can get more business, but because we represent Jesus. We're people of the way. And we've been called to represent him simply. There doesn't have to be anything complicated about yes and no. He says, listen, what you say, people should know immediately. They're gonna do that thing. Yes or no. I get... Uh, <laughs> Uh, sometimes I get made fun of on the staff because somebody will ask me something I wanted uh, to go do something. I go, nope, uh-uh, ain't gonna do it. Just, nope. I know I'm not gonna do it. I, I'm, you know, I, I don't wanna lead anybody on going, you know, uh, I'll think about that. Have you ever had a friend? How about this? You ever had a friend that was about to move? They're gonna move. And they come to you and they say, hey, will you help me move? Every man knows this. I see you smiling right now. Will you help me move? I need some help. And what, what do we do? We do the, if you're from the South, you wanna do the good old Southern thing. You wanna smile and, well, bless your heart. Or you look at them and you think, uh, no, I don't wanna help you move. But yes, I will. Yeah, I'll help you move. Knowing in your heart, in your mind, you're thinking, you know what, I don't wanna offend them. I'll, I'll say yes, but here's what I'm gonna do. Hey, honey, can you make sure on this day we got something on our calendar? I'll call them the day before, and technically, I'm not lying, because listen, uh, we do have something on the calendar. I'm not technically lying, but I want you to hear me. That's not yes and no. And you know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying simply this, is that as followers of the way, we don't look like the cultural and social ethic of the day. We don't just say something. We're plain spoken people. We let our yes be yes. Did you realize right here what Jesus did? He left no room for error. They didn't step back and go, now, I wonder what Jesus means here. Uh, have you ever been talking to your children and you're trying to guide them in something? You're trying to help them make a good decision. You don't wanna make the decision for them. You're trying to help them think through something. You're giving pros and cons. They've asked you a question. They're looking at you. They're glazed over and then they walk away and they go, they go what they end up doing in my house is they go to Amy and say, 
Yes or no, can I do this? This is what I need. I just need to know. This is what Jesus is trying to say to us. This, in fact, it's not like he's trying to say it. This is exactly what he is saying here. He says, listen, don't be intentionally complicated. Don't try to obscure the truth with all of these facts that you could come back and go, see, I told you. I told you. If you just listen to me. Listen, here's the thing. He says, you be yes and you be no. Why? Because when your yes is yes and your no is no, people know exactly where you're going to be and what you're going to do. And you're going to be a person who is sound. Not like a person like in James where it talks about who is driven and tossed about like a wave on the ocean who changes this and that. Listen, our God is trustworthy. What he says is true. It always happens. Why are, we, why are our words holy? Because we serve a holy God. We've been called by him. We've said he is the way and I'm now a follower of the way. So therefore my words They're holy under him. He is eternally trustworthy. What he has said has always been true. He's never been wrong. So therefore, listen, we should always be trustworthy. Strive to be trustworthy. Let our words be yes. Let our words be no. Be men and women of integrity because we represent the one who is eternally trustworthy. Eternally trustworthy. But this leads to the final principle. And I want to stop for just a few moments as we rest here. Listen, the third principle for our integrity is this, is that our words are powerful. Our words are powerful. You see, with the Pharisees, where Jesus is contrasting here, with the Pharisees, they were taking their words and using them recklessly and flippantly. Listen, we've crafted this way where, yes, we, if we say something in the name of God and we break it, then we've broken an oath, we've sinned. But listen, we'll change that. We'll make it to where, listen, we're gonna make it like where, hey, I swear on my mama's grave. I, I, listen, I swear on a stack of holy Bibles. You remember these. You may have even said them in such a way. It became just a phrase. And Jesus says, listen, This is not how it should be for us. We should use our words carefully. We should be intentional with how we speak. Our words should be lovingly given. Listen, in Christ's day, words meant something. I think they mean more, they meant more then than they do today because, you know, words and language evolves and it mixes and some, you know, all the urban lingo I can't keep up with. I don't know what means what anymore. I'm having to go to people, my kids. And I went to a student the other day. Listen, Travis came to me the other day and he said something about no cap. I'm going, I, I, I don't have a hat on anyway. I don't know what you're talking about. And then one of our teenagers said, I just learned what it meant. You know, I had to ask one of the younger kids. I said, hold on, wait a minute. You're 19 and you're going, I can't keep up. How in the world am I gonna keep up? Words change, they're moving all the time. And what ended up happening is, is they would take their words and they would just use them recklessly, but words were important in Jesus' day. Have you ever heard of the blessing of the fathers? If you go back into Exodus, Isaac 
gave a blessing to Jacob the younger because it was cheated out of Esau the older. Esau was torn up. Jacob, at the end of his life, gave a blessing to his sons, his 12 sons, and his grandsons, gave a blessing to them. Now, when I say blessing, I wanna make sure that you hear me. When I speak blessing here, I'm not just talking physical blessings, like he gave them houses and property and physical things and finances and camels and tents. I'm talking about with his words, he blessed them. And those words that he blessed them with helped to set some of the trajectory of their life. Do you realize that your words are powerful? Your words are powerful. The people of this day, the people in Jesus' day, the people who were listening to the Sermon on the Mount, they knew that. Why? Because they knew that in Genesis 1, it said that God spoke, and what happened? There was light. He spoke things into creation. That's how he created, with the words of his mouth. Hebrews chapter one tells us that today the world is held up by the power of Jesus' word. God made sure that his prophets wrote down what it was that he said. Why? Because his words were powerful. At the right time, you know what Jesus, what God did? He sent his son, the living word, who walked in power. When Jesus left, made sure that everything was written down so that we would have his word. Why? Because his words are powerful. And as people who represent the way, the followers of Jesus, did you realize that we, our words are holy? Our words should be trustworthy. Our words are powerful. Now, just to be really clear, I'm not talking about prosperity gospel stuff. I'm not talking about this, you can speak it into existence. This new age stuff of manifesting, I can manifest my destiny by the words that, I, no, 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 listen, that's a lie from the pit of hell. I wanna be really clear. <laughs> I wanna be really clear, that's a lie from the pit of hell. You realize the only one who creates by his words is God. He's the only one. But I do want you to know that your words are very powerful by how you speak to people. Because we have the ability to speak life and death. Again, in our reading this morning, in Proverbs 18, 21, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who eat of it will taste its fruit. You, as a follower of the way, have powerful words. The way you speak to people, I love you. Men, we don't say I love you enough. I love you how about this? I'm sorry. Do you realize there's power in that? I was wrong. How about looking at your children? There are some of you in here today, you need to call your children, you need to bring them in, you need to look at them and say, I love you, I love you, I'm proud of you. Did you know that there are young men today who are dying to hear, who are dying to hear, I am proud Do you realize that your words are powerful, that you have the ability to sit down with someone and that literally you can share the words, you can share the words of life and they might come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior and their lives be changed. Now, I want you to hear me. That's not your power. God's the only one that does that. But he uses you to speak those words powerfully into the lives of others. In our house, we love to give gifts. 
We, we give gifts all the time. You know what, at some point, and most of you may be like this, at some point you go, we've gifted out. <laughs> They've got what they need. A few years ago, we kind of instituted something in our home where we said, hey, how about we just give the gift of words? My kid said, what? I said, don't worry, I'm gonna, you're gonna get some gifts. We're gonna give you something for birthday. But I mean, really, just give the gift of words. How about like, let's sit down some point, part of the Christmas season, part of something, when you give a card to somebody, but like you give the gift of words and you, you actually write something that says, I love you, I'm proud of you. Here's why you've made a difference in my life. Did you realize that I have gifts that have gone in the pile, they've headed up in Goodwill, they've been over here, somebody else has got them, but I can tell you this, every gift of word that someone has given me, I have them saved. You know why? Because like God's word, I can go back to it and I can find encouragement. I can find love. I can find, man, there's something. He speaks to me in a special way. When I pull out the gift of words from someone, oh, there is life that is given. There's life that is given. Did you realize at the same token, you have the power with your words to bring death. When you look at someone and you chew them up one side and down another and you just turn and walk away. Now listen, they may have deserved it in some level, but you have the ability. My wife always tells me, it's not what you said to me, it's how you said it. Speaking the truth, letting your yes be yes and your no be no, being clear spoken, does not give any of us the right to be a jerk, a punk, a, you fill in the words you wanna put there. It gives none of us the right because Jesus said, listen, speak the truth in love. We're to speak truth in love. Be clear. Your words have power for life and for death. Followers of the way, their words are holy. Their words are trustworthy. Their words are powerful. And we recognize that. Why? Why? Because I want you to hear this. We serve a God who is holy. Your integrity, my integrity should never terminate on me. They should see your good works, my good works, and glorify our Father who is in heaven. The reason that our words are holy is because we follow the way. God, we've surrendered our life to him. The reason that our words are trustworthy is because he is trustworthy. The reason that our words are powerful is because he is all powerful. And what does it say when the way that we act doesn't line up with who God is. What does it say when our words aren't trustworthy? Listen, are there gonna be times when I break a promise? You better believe it. Are there gonna be times when I speak death over life? Yeah, because my words are, listen, I'm a fallen human being. Some of you in here right now, stop writing. Whatever you're doing, I wanna make sure you're right here with me. Some of you right now, you're going, Kyle, I, I feel like, junk because my words aren't holy. My words aren't trustworthy. My words, yeah, they're powerful. And I have been like just tearing people up, especially those who are closest to me. I want you to hear me say this. There is grace for you today. Do you realize that when God first revealed himself to Moses, this is what he said. He said, when he described himself, he described himself as being a God of mercy and love 
steadfast in his love. One who is merciful. And I want you to hear me today. There is mercy for you, for me today. Some of you today, the reason your words aren't holy, the reason your words aren't trustworthy, the reason that your words aren't powerful is because you don't know the gospel. You know what gospel is? Gospel is good news. And here's the good news. Jesus came. God, who is holy, sent the most trustworthy person to live out his mission, Jesus. God, who is holy, sent Jesus, his son. He knew he could trust him to come and reveal to us what he looked like. He died on a cross. The scripture tells us he came to his own and his own received him not. He was put on a cross because he broke up. He is the one who brought tension to the Pharisees when he said, listen, you wanna be salt and light? I didn't come to just, I didn't come to abolish it. I'm fulfilling it. I'm showing you what God desires. He was put in a grave. He was buried. But on the third day, the powerful words of God through the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. And today, I want you to hear this. He is alive. And for some of you in here right now, today is your day to surrender your life to him. Today's the day. This lunatic up here talking loud, moving around. Uh, Listen, you're not responding to anything I say. It's the Holy Spirit that's at work in your life. You need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There are, and listen, I, I want you to come back to the pastor's area and I, I want us to pray together. There are some of you in here today though, you are followers of Christ. You've already, you, you've already surrendered your life to Christ. It, you did that a long time ago and here's what you're realizing in this moment. You're going, man, my, my words ain't been holy. My words haven't been trustworthy. My words haven't been powerful like that. I want you to hear me. All across here, online, I want you to hear me. As a follower of Christ, the scripture tells us in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He is merciful. He is steadfast in his love. And he is calling you today to repent, to come back to him. And I need you to hear me. I need you to hear me. It is never too late to do the right thing. This, just so you know, this week, I had a meeting with Peyton Bullen and we were talking about some things. Wednesday afternoon, we were talking. I was asking some questions and everything. And I left. I got home after church and it was like the Lord just, you you weren't truthful to Peyton. You weren't truthful to him. Lord, I didn't lie to him. No, but you didn't tell him everything. I came in the next morning and I got Peyton. I found him and I said, brother, I just need to tell you. I need to ask for your forgiveness because I, 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 I didn't lie to you. I just didn't tell you everything. And do you know what some of the most powerful words he said to me was? Listen, you're forgiven. Don't worry. Don't worry, you're you're forgiven. Folks, I need you to hear me. I'm a fellow traveler in this. How about you? Where are you? Today, some of you need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. 
Some of you today need to return to him. You need to repent and come back to him and say, God, I, I need all of you. I need all of you, God. Forgive me. I want to be a, I want my words to be holy. I want my words to be trustworthy. I want my words to be powerful. And then you need to walk in that forgiveness and begin living as he would call you to. That's some of the response today. Surrender to Christ. Repent to Jesus. Another way that we're going to respond today is we're gonna take the Lord's Supper. As you came in, you received this little communion cup. If you didn't get one, I'm gonna ask you to hold your hand up right now. All across the room, we got people who are coming right now. Hold it up, keep it up high. They're coming right now and they're gonna get that to you. Just keep it up. As they're doing that, I'm gonna walk you through. Communion for us is a very important thing. The Lord's Supper. The scripture tells us in Mark that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he gathered his people in an upper room and they were there to celebrate the Passover meal. And as they were gathering to celebrate the Passover meal, he took the elements of that meal the bread, the wine. And he says, hey, I want you to realize this. You're you're not certain on all that's gonna happen. You're going to understand this later, but my body is gonna be broken for you. My blood is going to be drained out for you. And he says, listen, when, when, when I go back to the Father, when you guys begin to gather I want you to do this meal often. As often as you do it, I want you to do this and I want you to remember tonight. I want you to remember my sacrifice. I want you to remember my body broken, my blood spilled for the remission of your sin. 1 Corinthians 11, Paul wrote to the Corinthians and he said, listen, the Lord gave me some instructions for you, for us. He says, listen, many of you, you're taking this meal way too lightly. You're like rushing, you're eating. In fact, you're getting drunk and then you're, you're profaning the name of God and it has dire consequences. Listen, here's what I'm asking for us today. We call the Lord's Supper, it's like a memorial meal. We remember what Jesus has done for us. When you go to a memorial, you remember what that person has done, what they've been like. You typically go to a memorial of someone you know. This memorial meal, this remembrance is for followers of Jesus Christ. If you're online with us today, this is why we want you back in the body quickly so you can celebrate this with us, so that you can be here and you're taking this in community. This is what the Lord's Supper is about, us doing this together in community. So please don't start yet. If you've never surrendered your life to Christ, I'm gonna ask you just to hold on to this and at the end, would you come and talk to me because I want you to be able to celebrate this meal with us next time we do this. I'm gonna ask right now that we take just a moment as a community, as followers of Jesus, let's just go before the Father right here. Would you bow your head? Father, what, you may be asking, God, what, what does my life look like? Have my words been holy? Have my words been powerful? Have they been truthful? Some of you in here right now, you may need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ in this very moment. 
Would you take that moment? I'm going to ask now that you pull the wafer out. Some of you in here, you may have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. He is now your Savior. I want to invite you for the very first time to partake of this supper with us, this communion. And I need you to hear me. This isn't going to fill us up. You know what this does? This whets the appetite for the day when we get to celebrate it with Jesus face to face. That's what this is all about. This is a little testimony of what one day we're going to see. He said, this is my body broken for you. Broken for you. Take and eat. Let's take together. Scripture tells us that in the same way, he took the cup and he passed it around. He said, this cup, it was wine then. It's juice for us today because we don't want anyone to stumble in that. He says, if it, he said, this juice, this wine, this cup, this is the blood of the new covenant. This is my blood covered for your sins, bled for your sins. Take and drink. Heavenly Father, we honor you today as the Holy One as the one who is all trustworthy, as the one who is all powerful, the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus, we proclaim and know that he is here today. And I ask that you would save people by the power of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you move and convict and draw? Change us today. We love you. We honor you. And it's in the name of Jesus we ask these things. Amen. I'm gonna ask that you stand right now. Zion, Timmy Tape, and Megan, they're gonna come and they're gonna lead us. And part of our response today is to worship with everything that we have. Guys, come.